Do you ever want to dive deeper into the Bible, but you just don't know where to begin or struggle to feel like you even have the time? When you read the Bible, do you get frustrated because you know there's so much more in there, you just have no clue how to get it out? Or maybe you want to know the Bible better and you're looking for any resource to help. Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Context and Color of the Bible podcast. We're sisters. I'm Veronica. I'm Erica. And we love to study the Bible and we love to help others understand it better. When it comes to our own study of scripture, we have found that in bringing back the context of scripture, it adds so much to our understanding. It actually adds color to the black and white pages of the text. Erica. Yes, Veronica. We are still sitting on the floor. <laughs> we are. But we've stretched and yes. wiggled. And... and don't think we've been sitting here for a whole week. No. <laughs> Feels no. like it. No. But we are still in Brian's office. Mm-hmm. Thank you, honey. Yes, I'm glad he was gone for a couple days. Right, God set it up. God is into details. Yes, he is. He knew Brian needed to go not work from home. Right, so we could record. <laughs> yes, but we left off last week with Acts chapter 20, like verse 17. Yeah. We've been following Paul. He's on his way back to Jerusalem. It's been a while since he's been there. Yes. Way back in the beginning of Acts, you talked about how Luke kind of uses Jerusalem and that rubber band idea. Mm-hmm. We're constantly stretching and coming back. Stretching and coming back. Paul's really stretched that rubber band. Right, right. He's been gone from Jerusalem over three or four years. Yeah. If yeah. not longer. And so he's quickly making his way back. We pointed out, pay attention that Paul stays Jewish. Paul mentions, and Luke in his writing keeps showing how they're Jewish. They go to synagogues, which would be your Jewish learning centers. They're constantly referring back to Jerusalem. There's festivals. Paul's keeping and still honoring Mm -hmm. and celebrating those festivals. Mm -hmm. And right now, we just last week had him celebrating Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Mm -hmm. And now he's trying to make his way back to Jerusalem for Shavuot, Mm -hmm. which would be roughly May, June. Mm -hmm. Depending, it's 50 days after Passover. So depending when Passover fell. But so Paul's trying to make it back for that festival. Yeah. You will continue to see how Paul honors the Sabbath. Yeah. Oftentimes we talked about this briefly last week um, on the first day of the week, Paul was talking. And just a reminder that the first day of the week actually starts Saturday night. Right. Yeah. So we have all these clues that to the Jewish reader, right? they would pick up on and just go, yes, this is naturally what you do. We're trying to just point those out to remind you this is a Jewish book mm-hmm. with a Jewish Messiah and the kingdom of God right. is working within that realm and time frame. Right. And we serve a Jewish Messiah. Yes. And the king will come back to Jerusalem. Amen. And so we're just painting that picture, trying to point it out because it's easy to gloss over it, not yeah. even think about it. We pointed out a couple of weeks about how going up. Right. <laughs> to Jerusalem. Doesn't mean you put the word Jerusalem in there. <laughs> right. But that's where when they go up. Right. They're going to Jerusalem. So even as we're looking today at chapter 20, get into 21. Yep. We're heading up. Right, right. (laughs) We're not going down. We're heading up to Jerusalem. Right. So I've set you now up, Erica. That was amazing. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) You do such a great setup. So Paul is in Miletus. He's 30 miles away from his good friends at Ephesus. 
He invites them to come visit him quickly for a few short hours there together. And Paul gives them this goodbye speech. And Mm -hmm. at the end of chapter 20, we read how they wept and clung to him and were heartbroken that they weren't going to see him again. That's the, the love, the relationship that these men had forged. They were brothers. Mm -hmm. And so you get to really kind of hear a lot of Paul's heart in this goodbye message to them. He reminds them of his life. You know, Paul could say, be like me because I'm being like Jesus. And he does say that. And it's always like, I don't know if I'd ever want to say that. I would not honestly. Be like Jesus. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Let's do it together. Don't be like me. Right. Paul was an amazing man. You know, he talks about he didn't hide. He didn't do things secretly. He was open and honest with his teaching. He was above board with his teaching and with his lifestyle. Um, He reminded them of the persecution that he had to face, the troubles he had been through. This is how much this message of the kingdom of heaven matters to me. I suffered for it. Mm -hmm. I was persecuted for it. And I didn't give up. I persevered. He, it's interesting. When you read the gospels, a common message of Jesus is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right. He's constantly talking about the kingdom of heaven. When you read Paul's letters, you don't see much about oh, yeah. the kingdom of you heaven. You don't. He doesn't seem to me- to mention it. Right. But in verse 25 of Acts, would you like to read that, Veronica? Yes. Look, now I know that none of none of you among whom I went about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see my face again. So he talks about like... I think Paul talked a whole lot more about the kingdom of heaven. It's just not recorded. It's just not recorded. I think just like his rabbi, his master, Paul was all about the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. We have to remember the letters that were given, the letters we have in scripture, his epistles were written to people who had already entered the kingdom and were trying to figure out how to live that kingdom lifestyle. Right. They had the basic understanding right. of the kingdom right. is at hand. Right. So I'm not going to keep talking to you about the kingdom. I'm going right. to move on. Just like right. a first grader, or second grader, you don't talk about the ABCs. Right. And you don't review even the letter sounds. You right. go, okay, now we're putting those sounds together and we're building right. bigger words. But you understand that's the foundation right. of everything. And so I think for Paul, the kingdom of God was the foundation for everything he did. But there's no reason for me to keep sitting on it. Right. Now how do we live out this kingdom? Or for Luke kingdom? to take the time to record right. that. Every time he mentions it. Right. Right. It's just understood. Mm-hmm. Paul lets the elders know he's aware he is going to Jerusalem to suffer. Mm -hmm. But Paul says, I'm compelled to go back. He wants to see Jerusalem again, to walk there, talk with the disciples, worship in the presence of God at the temple. He hungered for his own land in his capital city. But he wasn't naive. He knew trouble was going to come from it. But that's okay. It's worth it. Mm -hmm. He references Ezekiel 33. In Ezekiel, there's a warning given to the watchmen on the walls who see an army coming and don't warn the city. The blood of those killed is on the watchman's hands. But if the watchman on the wall warns the citizens and the citizens choose to ignore it, 
the watchman is innocent. Right. Paul looks at himself as a watchman on the walls. He's not announcing an enemy's coming, but he's announcing announced someone else has come. The king has come. There's a response now required of you. The kingdom is coming closer. Will you repent? Take on the yoke of discipleship to the king, enter his kingdom and live life his way. My hands are innocent. I've spent three years telling everyone and anyone who would listen about this king and his kingdom. I've called people to repentance. I've called people to obedience. The whole will of God I have made known to people. Mm -hmm. Now it's your responsibility what you do with it. But before God, my hands are clean. I would say every Bible teacher, every pastor, and truthfully, anybody, a, a Bible study leader, a parent, mm-hmm. a mentor. Anyone in a leadership position. Anyone in a leadership position, that's on you. Right. You know, you need to be able to say at the end of the day with Paul, my hands are clean. I have made the truth known to you. Right. The choice belongs to the person listening. Right. You can't choose for them, but can you stand before God and say, I have declared your truth, God. It's on them. Mm-hmm. Well, even can. knowing this is his last time. Right. He says, you're going to see my face. I mean, your final, I just keep thinking of Moses and we've made some, it's been a while since we've made connections back to Exodus. But we see some of the same traits yes. in Moses that yep. we see in Paul of that yep. humility and that leadership and just, I have parented you. I have led you right to this point, but I can't take you all the way. Right. You've got to step up. You've yes. got to do it on your own. And every parent, as you're looking at your children, as they're getting ready to leave the house, I have a 17-year-old, you know, and I'm going through my head, okay, does she know this? Have I taught her this? What right. about budgeting? What about this? Right. Does she know? I mean, just right. those kind of conversations right. we're having more frequently going, she is entering the point where she's going to leave my house. We, she's only a junior. We're good. I'm not crying yet. Right. <laughs> but the idea of mm-hmm. Paul's looking at them and has that relationship. Right. I want to make sure you know what to do right just like moses did when he stood in deuteronomy and just told the people don't forget you hear that heart's longing for i've done it you can't blame me if you don't know because i've told you everything right exactly paul he's talking to the other leaders so it's almost he could be veronica trying to like do like me as Mm -hmm. i have warned you you now turn around and warn your congregations Mm -hmm. your people underneath you he reminds them also of so he reminds them of their responsibility against false teachers as you teach the budget hey be aware of other people coming in they're gonna try to lie to lead you astray right make sure you hold to the truth of the gospel he also reminds them that he paid his own way. And I really struggled with this because at the same time, in his epistles, Paul lets you know, you need to pay those spiritually leading you. Right. The workman's worth his wage. Exactly. But Paul himself didn't take a lot of payment from people when he was ministering in that city And what struck me is I wonder if partially because when someone's living among you, you can watch them for the long term. If I'm giving to the pastor of my congregation and I notice the house he's buying is the biggest house in the best (laughs) neighborhood and he's always driving the newest cars and 
he's going to Europe every other week. You know, you can begin to go, whoa, you're not using the money wisely. I am not against pastors having a nice house. My father is a pastor, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law. But I do think you need to use the money wisely. But Paul was traveling from city to city. You couldn't watch how he was using the money as easily because he wasn't in one spot long enough. Well, it's easier. and, And going city to city, I don't... In a pastor, in a local congregation, there's more accountability. Yes. You have people who oversee the funds and how it's working. Right. Where if Paul's traveling on his own, well, I don't have to tell you how much the last city gave me. I can pretend they didn't give me much. So there's there's more chances to be deceitful. Yes. And so Paul is setting up. And just another way, Paul's keeping himself accountable. Yes. But if I'm telling you I'm not taking money from you, yes, then it's on me and you don't have to worry about, am I mishandling your funds? Right. Right. Exactly. So we are still saying, you know. Support your local support church. Support your local church. Yes. But Paul did this for his reasons to be above board accountability. Right. This was not the standard for everyone and your right. pastors should all be bivocational. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Yep. I'll speak it. Right. <laughs> That's what we needed. You know, and then again, when Paul's done with this, they weep together. You just get this picture of a very close group. He's been with them for three years. They've been through a lot together. They love each other. But, and they're, they're heartbroken that they'll never see Paul again. But eventually he has to leave. And Luke, at the beginning of 21, it's almost like he goes through his daily diary. (laughs) It just says, here's this city, here's this city, here's this city. So just to get a tiny bit of info about the cities, Kos, Kos, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Sure, verse that. one. Yeah, <laughs> verse one. There is a Jewish community there. You know, so maybe they put ashore and bought kosher food mm-hmm. to eat as they traveled. At Rhodes, they may have seen the remains of one of the seven wonders of the world. It was a great bronze statue of the Titan Helios, known as the Colossus of Rhodes. It stood over a hundred feet high when it was first built. But after 56 years, an earthquake came and knocked it to its knees. But they left the remains of the statue for people to see. So visitors would come. And they say the thumb was almost too heavy for people. And the finger, just the finger of the statue was longer than most statues. Which I would still come to see that. that even if it's broken and laying on the just, ground. Just to see a finger that's longer mm-hmm. than you would be amazing. You know, so maybe they went and saw that. You know, who knows? And then they reached Patara. And a small ship would travel hugging the coast, staying close to the shoreline. Right. So in Patara, they get a bigger ship. And that just goes straight through the Mediterranean to Tyre. And then at Tyre, it takes about seven days. You unload the cargo, get fresh cargo, and then you would go again and hug the coast. And they're going to end in Caesarea. Um, There's a connection between Tyre and Jerusalem. It goes back to Solomon Day. He gets um, logs from Hiram. There's a good Jewish population here. Jesus healed a Canaanite woman's daughter from Matthew 15 here. Paul's probably traveled through here numerous times. So he and his entourage probably spent the full seven days visiting with friends. Mm -hmm. And Paul's like, hey, meet my new friends, meet my old friends, just enjoying the community, the fellowship. But again, we get this warning. They tell Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. 
you're going to get in trouble there. And they beg Paul not to return. And Paul says, no, you know, it says in one of the gospels, Jesus set his face right. to Jerusalem, knowing what was to come. He still had to be there. And it's Paul takes after his master and he says, no, he sets his face for Jerusalem. Whatever God has in store for me, that's where I need to be. And again, you get to see the love Paul has for these believers and they for him as they walk him to the ship and say goodbye to him. They end in Caesarea, Paul and his traveling companions. And they have about 11 days at this point before Shavuot. Okay. So they decide to spend some time with Philip. Philip was not one of the 12 disciples. A different Philip. This is a different Philip. This is one of the seven Hellenist Jewish men that actually remember with Stephen and the stoning Philip was one of the seven no because that was months ago in our timeline (laughs) Philip was one of the seven who worked with Stephen that got kicked out of Jerusalem when Paul went on his rampage against the Hellenist believers you know so it, it fascinated me to go oh my word they came back together. They came back together. Could you imagine years later? You would maybe need years right. if I watched you kill my friend. That would be hard. It takes some time. It might. But it's, I don't know, it's still just that amazing. Right, that they could come together. That they could Again, come together. showing the work of the Spirit. Yes. That there can be unity. Right. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Right. Reconciliation. Yes. And so they sit around and they're probably sharing stories. Look what God has done. This is amazing. But the one thing that stands out to Luke is that Philip has four daughters. I know. They're single and they're prophetess. Prophetesses. And in the early church that went together, celibacy and being a prophet. That was a common combination. According to church tradition, two of Philip's daughters do eventually get married. Okay. To stay celibate. But they all continue to walk with the Lord for the rest of their lives. While they're together, another believer arrives Mm -hmm. and warns Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. There's nothing but trouble waiting for you there. And honestly, Veronica, we had this discussion when I was at Moody. Okay. Should Paul have gone to Jerusalem? You know, this is the third time we read somebody telling Paul, don't go. So was Paul wrong to go to Jerusalem? Oh, I forget what I said to you earlier. You said you didn't think so. I know. Why did I say that? Oh, because Jesus warns us you will have troubles and trials and we know how the end of the story is going to go. And it's not like, okay, we'll check out. Right. Just because you have trouble doesn't mean, just because trouble's waiting for you doesn't mean change turn course. around. Yeah, avoid it. Right. That, um, yeah, that's the, what I came to in the discussion, and that's where I still am. I don't think Paul was wrong to go to Jerusalem. I think the Holy Spirit warns him to let him know, hey, trouble is coming. Right. But just so you know, it's not because you're in trouble. <laughs> it's not right. like you're being disciplined, Paul. It's just a fact of life. And can you stay strong? And I'm encouraging you so that when it comes, you will persevere in the midst of Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I don't think Paul was wrong to go to Jerusalem. I think God was preparing him for what was coming. 
it's okay, Paul. This is all part of my plan. Right. I've got you. But. Keep going. Just keep going? Yep. All right, here we go. I made the executive decision. I knew the look in her (laughs) eyes. So Paul's on his way to Jerusalem. But as we're walking the road with Paul, those dusty steps, I need to set the scene and explain some of the undercurrents that are happening in Jerusalem right now. They're a group of men called zealots. Yes. One of the zealots actually became a disciple of Jesus. Right. Well, they hate Rome. They're basically terrorists. They hate anyone who works with Rome. For different reasons, the zealots decided to murder the high priest in cold He's blood. He's kind of corrupt. He's extremely corrupt. <laughs> I mean, extremely corrupt. They're they're a political party. Yeah, not the a zealots, religious party. Yes, yeah. The zealots are a political party, not a religious party. But the high priest, who is a religious party, is corrupt. And extremely in corrupt. With Rome. Yes, he was a Sadducee in right. league with Rome. Okay, but the next guy wasn't going to be any better. Right. So I won't go. There's a backstory as to why, but they decide to murder the high priest in cold blood in the temple itself. Wow. They hid these short daggers in their cloaks. They mingled with the crowd. And then at the right moment when the high priest was open to the public, they jumped on him. Wow. And nothing happened. Nothing like Rome didn't do anything? Rome didn't do a thing. The Jews didn't care? Well, the Jews were terrified. Like, sure. the, the common Jewish person would struggle. Because on the one hand, they're very aware their high priest is extremely corrupt. Right. But at the same time, it's still the high priest. Right. There needs to be an amount of respect right. for the office, if not for the person. Right. And so on the one hand, yes, he's corrupt and horrible, but he's still the high priest. So you're probably more in a quandary. Right. I'm not, not sure, sure what to do. Right. And Rome... There is some thought that the Roman procurator, the governor, kind uh-huh. of set them up to do it. Oh. Because he and supplied. the high priest were having a disagreement. <laughs> okay. And so nothing happened. They all got off scot-free. That wouldn't sit well with people. The problem is that made them even more bold. Sure. So the zealots carried out murder after this in public all the time. They would terrorize anyone who they thought was with Rome. They would destroy crops, set fire to um, set homes on fire. And if they didn't like you or if they thought you were too nice to a Roman soldier, they would walk by you and slit your throat in the middle of a crowd. And so they, they were horrible, horrible men. Well, just the common man. I wouldn't want to buy. I mean. Right. You're terrified. Yes. You know, so imagine. I don't want to be misinterpreted as being nice. I don't want to be, oops, you saw me talking and I didn't know who I was talking to and now I'm dead for it. You know, so you're constantly wondering, am I going to be stabbed today? Right. <laughs> As you're walking to and from the marketplace to buy food. this and, and they would do it outside of Jerusalem, but mainly in Jerusalem. They were called Sicari because the name of their daggers were like Sicar, I think. Okay. And so they were the Sicari men and they would hide the daggers and just walk through the marketplace. Wow. And they would pick a victim and kill him. And so can you imagine this constant feeling of fear and paranoia in this city as you don't know who's going to be next and you don't know where they're going to come from and you probably know who's involved, but you don't know everyone who's involved. So you can't keep an eye out for all of them and they're getting away with it. 
So as more and more people are coming to Jerusalem for the festival, the city's getting more crowded. Things are getting more tense. On top of that, you had a Jewish man from Alexandria came to Israel and declared, I'm the Messiah, (laughs) follow me. And tons of zealots, tons of common people followed him because he promised them freedom from Rome. Which everyone would want. It's been decades. Right. Of Roman occupation. Yeah, over, I think, 100 years by now. Well, Rome shows up. Yeah. (laughs) And 400 of his followers are killed, 200 taken prisoner, the rest escape and go home and try to forget they were even involved. But the man himself disappears. The Messiah. The Messiah. This false Messiah disappears. They nicknamed him the Egyptian. Oh, okay. But he is now a wanted man by Rome. So all this is going down before Paul has arrived in Jerusalem. So you've got this feeling of paranoia and fear in the city itself because these Sicari men tensions are high are killing Jews <laughs> and Rome's tensions are high because you've got this Egyptian still out there who may cause issues again. He may show up mm-hmm. and cause more trouble. Mm-hmm. So Rome's on high alert and the Jewish people are on high alert mm-hmm. and Paul who seems to be a lightning rod <laughs> who for gets trouble passionate walks into town i'm home i've come back right and what happens well we'll get to that all right that's a fun cliffhanger right (laughs) so where are you leaving us off where should chapter 21 verse 15 okay right i think well you know it's early summer it's about 57 of the common era, Paul's home with his friends. He's brought the money from the assemblies. They've walked from Caesarea to Jerusalem. The roads filled with Jewish men, women, children. Everyone's excited for okay. the upcoming festival, but they've heard all that's been going on in Jerusalem. So there's tension, and Paul's got to feel his own tension too, Veronica, because he's right. been warned over and over again. Don't Trouble's go to waiting. Jerusalem. Right. So you can imagine. There's a lot of emotions going right, on right right now. And when tensions are running high, somebody's it's going to break. Right. Eventually something has to break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, thanks for joining us. This is the Context and Color of the Bible podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. It was fascinating to me. Right. <laughs> You're going to want to come back, you know, share this podcast. Go, "Hey, did you know I didn't know about all these zealots?" And right. What would that be like? So come back next week and join us and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.